you remember when that question creeped into your head? I don't know if you were graduating high school, you were out of college, maybe it was that first job that you got that was a little harder than you were expecting. Uh, maybe you were 10 years old and you were in some way discovering that life was a little bigger than Christmas Day and your birthday. Do you remember when you asked the question, what am I going to do in my life? What, like, what, what am I going to do? Like, not like school and play, but like, like what, what, what is my life about? You remember that? For some of us, that was like literally the day you graduated high school. That was me. It was like a panic moment. Like you get out of high school, and then there's like these infinite possibilities, and you were like, uh-huh. And of course, what, is, what does everybody tell you when you graduate high school? Like, you can do anything. And I'm like, that's terrifying. How about we put some parameters on it, right? How about we just give me a road, right? Tell me to walk. I, I, that's like crazy. Yeah, I can do anything. I can go to jail. I can be president. Awesome. Yeah, woo. Very excited, all right? Uh, for some of you, that was after you got out of college and you got a degree, and then you realized just because you have a degree doesn't guarantee that's where you're going to get a job, and you got out of college and you were like, oh, Walmart. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Walmart. Just saying, you got a degree <laughs> to go to Walmart. Right? And there's a little frustration there. Some of you had some kids and you had one role and you got out of that role and now you're having to look down that barrel again and going, okay, now what? And I'll tell you, it's a terrifying place sometimes. And we like to use some fancy language. And we like to sometimes dress it up to sometimes be a little bit more like, you know, we would call it Christianese. And we call it calling, right? Where is God calling you? And I'm like, a lot of times it's Taco Bell, but I know it's bigger than that, right? And what does that calling look like in your life? And as a Christ follower, of course, that's the way we're going to dress it up because I do believe that God is calling us. And I do believe that he has plans for us and that he wants to see us experience full life. But again, it's, to me, it's a lot like that broad statement at the end of high school, right? God has a calling for your life. And I'm like, awesome. What's that look like? <laughs> Where do I go from here? And for some of you, you've been walking with Christ for a long time and you've felt that broad calling and never really felt it Specific. For some of you, you've never walked with Christ. And you look around it, maybe you see some people that seem to have it. And you'd love to experience what it's like. To have some clarity. And to know what you're supposed to do. And to know where God is calling you. So today, that's what we're going to talk about. Because it's a little different than maybe what you'd expect. I want to just branch out and tell you there's three types of calling that we're going to kind of touch on, but it's kind of all encompassed in one. And so it's easy for you to kind of feel like maybe you're not included in this because we all have a little different definitions of maybe what that calling word can be. So let's just say this. The first one is a eternal call to Christ. All right, let's just navigate that. We are in church. We are trying to follow Christ. We are trying to experience full life. That is a part of this. Absolutely. And that is a pursuit, not perfection, right? That is a pursuing thing that we are all trying to reach, journey towards Christ. Absolutely. But it's also this. It's a temporary call to an assignment, right? 
Like, there are steps. There are things that we need to do. And sometimes we're even gifted or placed intentionally to take on a specific assignment. And they're molded and were intentionally placed sometimes for each of us. What does that look like, right? Where's that at? And then maybe here's the last one you find yourself. A daily call to a different standard. And you may feel this right here. You see how this is a funnel? Feel that? Those of you that are following Christ and have taken some steps, this is a funnel. And we're pursuing Christ, absolutely. And we have assignments that we believe God is intentionally placing in our lives. But it is the daily choices that define that direction. The daily choices that define that direction. And for, for most of you in here, hey, listen, if you're not a follower of Christ, this is a great day to be here because you're going to get kind of a roadmap for growth inside the church. So if you're, you're like, all right, cool, I get to watch what they're going to do and see how they act, and then I can hold them accountable. D- yeah, <laughs> to a degree. Just remember we sang about grace earlier, and we believe that too, all right? <laughs> so let's start in Peter because that's what we've been talking about. But before we get there, I want to give you one statement that's going to define our whole conversation today. We're going to get to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 in just a second. But before we get there, I just want to tell you this. God will call you to a who before a do. If you, rebel, if you remember nothing else I say today, God will call you to a who before you do. Uh, this summer when we were at CIY, we had a bunch of high school students there and it was, it was a crazy wild time. I always, like, two days into it, I'm just, like, seat on fire, so excited, loving it. But it's, like, pulling teeth to get me down there, right? Because I just know what's going to happen. I'm going to eat terrible. I'm going to have to take heartburn pills the whole time. I'm going to stay up way too late, and I'm just going to have way too much fun, and then I'm going to come home, and my family's still going to be here. <laughs> Which I used to be able to come home and just crash for three days, and then I get home, and they're like, Dad! I'm like, I missed you. I need a nap. (laughs) But we're down there and we're having a great time and things are going amazing. But they they do this great thing for pastors and leaders down there. I'm going to sneeze in just a second. Maybe not. If I speak it into existence, it won't happen. Yep. See, I did it. All right, good. (sighs) They do this great thing with uh, leaders and pastors down there where they provide a pastor on campus, on site for us to kind of have a place for an outlet. And they do a devotional every morning as well as they offer, they offer up just meeting times if they want to get together and just talk through tough things or talk through life. I thought it was a really cool aspect of how they take care of the whole group, not just the high schoolers, but the whole group, the whole church, just passionately. And it's this exact thought. He just looked at us and he says, God is more concerned in what he's doing in your heart than what he's doing through your ministry. And I was like, I don't like that. (laughs) It feels so much more comfortable to feel good about what my hands are doing than to have to settle in on what God is really at work in my heart and what he's doing there. Could it possibly outweigh anything that my hands would ever do? And I want you to hear me before we go into any more discussion, because it's tempting. It is going to be tempting to feel like the mission of God is more important than God himself. 
It's going to be easy to, to put the things I can do for God as more important than God himself. And when we talk about calling, it is easy to transfer that into idolatry. And it, I know that's just crazy, but we elevate the mission of God over the God we worship and the God we're called to and the work that he wants to do in us. And it's easy to have that happen. So, who before do? Let's just say this sentence then together. Who before do, when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. All right? When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. How many of y'all in here are a mama? All right? All right? Mama. All right. Now, not that Google hasn't provided some well-needed information from time to time. All right? Not that Google hasn't rescued you. But every morning you wake up when you're a mama, guess what? Mamas, you wake up going, I'm a mama. And I'm going to take care of these kids. Right? And you don't have to ask the question, who am I again? Because somebody's screaming it at you, aren't they? Mama, help me. Mama, I need juice. Mama, wipe my bum. Mama, I don't know where this is. Mama, help me. Mama, pick me up. Mama, I forgot this, right? There is no way in your day, if you're a mama, you forget you're a mama if you're around your kids. There's just no way it happens because they just scream it at you all day long. And that identity is what knows and motivates your purpose. It just absolutely pushes you towards what you know. And it sometimes is hard, right? Because mamas have bad days. And sometimes your bad day is not just dependent on what you do, but on how you feel about your identity. <laughs> I don't know if I like being a mama today. <laughs> There's so many roles and identities that we are placed upon us in this world. So many things that are told to us that are superficial, broken, ignorant, falsehoods. Things that we interpret from other people or things that we sometimes grasp for that are not right. So as we think about this, and you know who you are, you'll know what to do. I want you to listen to Peter's words. To the church that's being persecuted, the church that's in struggle, the church that is basically being made an enemy across the whole nation of Rome. Peter is writing this book to encourage the church, and his number one encouragement is identity. You need to know who you are. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this, For you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Pause. This has so much significance in their culture. I, I, I can't even tell you the significance because we don't understand the Jewish culture as Peter was writing to. He's writing to a culture that when he says, you are a chosen people, royal priest, that is elevating to the highest place of status inside the Jewish religion. Elevating to the place of the chosen highest possession that God owns. These people are the closest to God. These people are the closest to the place that God wants them to be. I mean, this is amazing language, and he's using it intentionally. 
He's basically saying this. You are pastors, pastors of my church, pastors that have done my work. You are a chosen group of people. I mean, this is crazy language that he's using. And then he goes into it. This is who you are. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You have been revealed in the light. You have been revealed in the light. You once were in shadow of who you are, but it is so clear who you are now. You were chosen, loved, redeemed, grace-filled, treasured, beautiful. His possession. His to claim. That's who you are. That's who you are. In Christ. Peter doesn't stop there because this is kind of his thing. Second chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, he goes like this. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary, there's this thing again, residents and foreigners. That's the whole basis of this uh, group of messages. You are different. You are set apart. You are not, this is not your home. Don't forget that. To keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your soul. There is an identity that is not true. There is something that wages against who you really are, that creeps in and tries to tell you a different story. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Oh, if you just want to underline that, because you are not of this place, you are a foreigner. Then even if they accuse you of wrongdoing, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Ooh. Man, if there's a coffee mug that you just need to write something on that's convicting in the morning, you know, you can call it your movement mug, and then just let it be your behavior tells a bigger story. And just have that verse right under there. Your behavior tells a bigger story. Now, it's easy to read those words and just think coffee mug, isn't it? But I remind you, these are the people being persecuted by Nero. In a nation. These are people that are under incredible persecution. This is not somebody letting his dog poop in your yard. Just, just being honest. This is not your neighbor who just lets his fence fall down and his cows just go everywhere. All right? This is not the guy who doesn't cut his lawn even though yours is pristine. This is not the minor things where someone cuts you off in traffic. Or that stinking McDonald's worker gets your order wrong again. It's not. These are much larger things. Much bigger things. But man, doesn't it flow down? Doesn't it trickle down into the smaller things too? But we might find it difficult to even do it with those things. Let alone if someone brings harm upon somebody we love. Or even harm upon ourselves. This is a call to know who you are and to not forget. Though the world may respond with selfish, prideful, worldly things, we are called to respond as a chosen people, royal priesthood, 
God's treasured possession, to live different. Verse 15 of that same chapter says this, It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. That is one awesome statement. I mean, if someone does something to hurt you, man, man, let that be your rocket fuel, right? Because, I mean, this is not him holding back. This is him speaking truth. Some of you in here, you're truth people. This is a good verse for you, all right? It is God's will. You want to know what God's will is for your life? Just find verses that say, it's God's will. Oh, okay. (laughs) Easy to find, (laughs) right? It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence ignorance and foolishness. Do you hear that? That's what I just read. Your honorable lives should reveal, should expose, should shout loud, should exclaim, should preach, should announce and declare to ignorant and foolish things to be quiet. That is not the way to live. You ever have one of these moments? Man, I've had these moments. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, the other day I was opening the uh, ketchup packets from Chick-fil-A. Anybody ever struggle with these ketchup packets from Chick-fil-A? I'm the only one. Okay, good. You ever had these moments? There are these little packets, and they have the like, thing where you can and squeeze, but nobody does that. If you do that, all right, change your ways, all right? Some of you are like, oh, I've been called out, all right? But they also have a way that you can just lift the package and then dip your fries right there. You don't have to dirty anything else. It's awesome. But the wrapper to get it open is the most frustrating thing on the planet. You know why? Because you already touched the greasy fry, right? So then you got to take two pieces of plastic and pull it, pull it apart. You ever had this moment? You're sitting there wanting to eat your fries. They're hot. And you're just over there trying to make a fire to burn this thing so that you can get to the ketchup. So we're sitting there, we're frustrated out of our minds, we're in the drive-thru, all right, and the fries are hot because they were, one time, Chick-fil-A was late, you guys. We sat there for 10 minutes at the window. It was the most awkward thing with the nicest people I've ever met in my life. <laughs> so I'm trying to open this ketchup packet, and oh, I'm so frustrated. I YouTubed it. That's how frustrated I was. It's like, someone has got to have figured out how to open these stupid things. Meanwhile, Chick-fil-A gave us two free meals and a free drink. I was like, gosh, I'm so convicted. <laughs> I YouTubed it. Guess what? I'm going to teach y'all something, all right? There's a guy online that said, literally, I know that sometimes Chick-fil-A ketchup can be a little frustrating. Um, and these packets were made to helpful. I want to show you how to do it. You literally take the end there, I'm teaching you all something, and you just bend it. The very tip of that, you bend it. And when you bend it, the two pieces of plastic separate. It's like Magic. It's like, what? (laughs) This is the most kind-hearted, sweetest guy online ever. And I know that's like the stupidest illustration of all time. And you guys are like, gosh, this guy loves his french fries. But seriously, look, this is not weaponized. 
This is not you getting to stand next to somebody who's just ripping this ketchup packet apart and going, dude, you're such an idiot. Check this out. This isn't you standing next to somebody and going, oh my gosh. Oh, see? This isn't you just getting to stare at someone and go, you ignorant fool. How dare you? Dare you ruin that? I can get real serious in a moment here if you want. I know it's a ketchup packet, but guys, these are issues in our lives that they get so much bigger in our minds so quickly. We get so frustrated when we figure out the secret or when we get into the light and we see the truth and we're holding it and then we're watching people in darkness do stupid stuff. And then it's so tempting to just judge, isn't it? It's so tempting to just go, oh, you're such an idiot. Because those people bump into people. Those people hurt people. Those people do ignorant things. And I promise you, I remember and I still walk in darkness. But I'm called to the light. I'm absolutely called to the light. And when we walk in the light, it it will be tempting, you guys, to feel like it's a weaponized thing to point out to the rest of the world their foolishness, their stupidity, their ignorance. But that is not what Peter is calling us to. Peter is calling us to be known what we're for, not what we're against. Peter is saying, you will be known what you're for, not what you're against. And that's actually one of our core values here at Kingsway. Is that we will be known what we're for, not what we're against. And so when we come up against things that we know God would, would call ignorant or foolish, when we come up against things that we know we are tempted sometime in the truth, we just believe that the power of the light that is revealed through our purity, our love, our choices is the motivating, is the rocket fuel to change. We believe in that moment, that's when our actions, our choices to love and to serve and to be present with people when they are hurting and when they're hurting others and when they're making choices that are foolish and ignorant, that is when overwhelmingly the gospel moves forward. You would think that somewhere in here Peter would say, don't worry, all right? Don't worry, we're gonna get an army together and we're gonna come back at Rome. Don't worry, someday we're going to get all the swords and all the things and we're going to rally everybody and we're going to take this place over. No, he goes, no, 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 look at me. Your actions, your daily choices, the way you respond to ignorance and foolishness in other people is the destructive force moving against the darkness. It is the way that Christ chose to save the planet. He did not come with the sword. He came with a cross. He did not shout insults. He shouted love. And he told people who they were. Constantly. We will be known what we're for. Not what we're against. Peter continues in chapter 3. 
This is so good. Don't repay, repay evil with evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. Oh my gosh. I wish I could just delete that from the Bible. <laughs> you know? You just ever want to go, nope, not doing that. <laughs> that is what God, whoa, has called you to do. That is what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessings. Now, when you read that last phrase, doesn't that just make you think, sweet, I get a reward. And yes, you do. But the interpretation there is that he will grant you what you need to continue to do that. <laughs> That's the indication there. There is a reward that is waiting eternally, but there's also a blessing that comes when we bless others. It is the call to do it again and to keep doing it. That his blessings flow from the blesser. And as we bless, we become that conduit, that line, that piping that just moves that thing. God pipes it into us. We receive the light and then we shine it. We turn and we release it to others. What we've received. Last little verse I want to read for you is in 3.9. 3.9 has just got this awesome. Oh, I just read 3.9. I'm just... But I love, that. I love that little section. So here's the last phrase I want to give you because this is so cool. Everybody saw that called you to do. I love that. Let me just ask you this. You ever been on call at a company? You ever been the person on call for the weekend? You ever had that little pager? You remember the little pager they'd give you when you were on call? Anybody remember the pagers? Who remembers those, right? Those blasted things. Set it on your nightstand. Middle of the night, it goes off. You're trying to snooze it because you think it's your alarm. You're slapping the thing seven times, and the thing's still just... <laughs> and it's trying to buzz away from you. Then you're looking at it, and it's green, and you can't read it. There's nine digits on there. What is this? Man, that's a terrifying, frustrating thing, wasn't it? Those of you who don't know what a pager is, back before cell phone, all right, there was these little boxes that looked like little Nintendos, okay, but they're about this big, and they had one little slit of a screen that only like, a toddler could read if his eyes were good, and there was numbers on there, and it was normally a call this number back, or they would literally put 911, which meant like, get your butt to the office now, and that was before cell phones. So that was like 10 years ago. <laughs> I only remember it because my dad had one. Some of you are like, he's not old enough to know what that is. I just stole my dad's all the time. <laughs> he wasn't okay with it, but he was also like, eh. <laughs> you are on call for the gospel. You are on call. I am on call. You need to read that statement, I am on call, and believe it. Your life is absolutely an eternal chase, an eternal pursuit of Christ. It absolutely has moments and things that you are going to press into that are unique opportunities for you, right? Where you're at or where God is 
calling you to, but that only is discovered and found and lived out when you believe that God is calling you to an identity that you daily live out on call. I, I truly believe this. And, and for some of you, that, that's just not big enough, if I can be honest. That's like some of you are like, nah, that, nah, I don't really like that. And I get it because it's a timing issue, right? I mean, I've been, I've been saying this now for a couple of weeks in private conversations throughout the week, but it's easy when you like go to work out, you know, just imagine the timing of working out, how many of you guys have worked out lately, and you go to work out and then the next day you're like, oh man, I'm not any stronger. And like some of you be like, that's stupid. How dare you do that? Yeah, so we set like a timeline on it, right? You do it every day for a year and then you're supposed to see results, right? But that's not how spiritual things work. We don't get to put a timeline on it. And sometimes we're even thinking we're giving God a little bit of grace. We're like, I'll give you three years, all right? And then at the end of three years, you're like, this has done nothing. It's worthless. But we're talking about the God of eternity, we're talking about the God who doesn't think about time because he's outside of it. And I know some of that may blow your mind, but it's a created thing. So timing is just, he's just using it as a tool. And he's not, he's got all the time in the world. But your daily choices, you're on call. And it's making a difference. Making a difference. You're on call to, to love, serve, and give, to be for that. The opportunities are abundant. They are daily. And that's what your life is supposed to look like. That is not of this world. I'll just be honest. If I, if I made a list of what you're on call for from this world, it would be like, you're on call to take care of yourself, uh, to look good, uh, to make a bunch of money, uh, to take care of yourself, uh, to sometimes, you know, do what you need to do to self-care. And not saying any of those things are always bad, but like we make the list in our culture that we have to be on call for, right? And I'll just put this, that looks like being a great mom. That looks like being a great dad. That looks like being a good husband, good wife. That looks like being a person, single or not, that is pursuing Christ. That looks like that. That looks like being a good friend. That looks like being a good coworker. That looks like being a good boss. But it also looks like being a good neighbor. And it also looks like being a good person in the line waiting at McDonald's, convicting to me. It also looks like not repaying evil for evil. It also looks like dealing with ignorance and foolishness well. And for whatever your situation's at, I'll just say this, is it's easy to think that all you need to do is get all this foolishness and ignorance out of your life and you could pursue what God is calling you to do. But I promise you, unless you remove you from the situation, you will always have ignorance and foolishness as a companion. Because you take you with you wherever you go. And believe it or not, that's what God is most concerned about anyways. Jesus said it this way in chapter three, six of Matthew. He said, don't look at the plank in your brother's eye. How about you first get the speck out of your own eye? Jesus is more concerned with who you're becoming 
than what you are doing right now. He is more concerned because who you're becoming is a summation of your daily choices. It's a summation of believing or not that you are chosen, that you are a royal priesthood, that you are valuable, accepted, and loved beyond what you ever dare hoped. And that out of that identity, in the light, we choose to extend that to others, to be known what we're for, not what we're against, and to live on call daily for whatever that may look like. That is a different kind of calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. Pray with me.